Welcome to Prostate Cancer, A Pain in the Arse, Episode 2. I'm Henry, this is Cassie. Hello. You're not looking forward to this one, are you? No, and I will cry. I'm very emotional Um, at the moment anyway. This is a podcast that we've set up uh, explaining uh, my journey, our journey of prostate cancer, being diagnosed, being treated and coming out the other side. And uh, we tend, I tend to refer to it as a we because Cassie was um, fully part of this journey with me all the way through. So um, it is our personal journey um, and everybody else, if you're involved with any type of prostate cancer, you will have a different experience, I'm sure. But we just wanted to try and demystify the, the process and hopefully um, send some positive information out there for anyone who's going through this experience when I'm now sorted but um, is I realize it's different for each person so uh, if you need a really good source of information proper information then prostatecancerUK.org is a great place to go to and of course speak with your GP so this episode, Cassie Gould, <laughs> Yes. this is when we got told that I have cancer Yes, wasn't a very nice time. So that's a that's a conversation I guess nobody wants to hear, do they? Um, and we were asked to have a consultation at the Princess Royal Hospital in Haywards Heath. They were they were really good, weren't they? They were very helpful. Yes, for the, for the and process. I think we kind of knew what was coming. Yeah, well, uh, yes. You get the appointment. You you have a general idea that something's not right anywhere. And if it had been okay, they would have told us over the phone. So we had to go in. We knew something was quite serious. Um, so that's what we did. We, t- we went to Hayward's Heath initially. Yeah, so they, they, you go in for a discussion of the results from the biopsies. And uh, I, in my mind, I, th- I thought, well, it, it, I probably have got it, but they're going to deal with it. And I knew you had it and I just didn't know what to expect. So how did you, how did you feel when you... You were quite. You were a bit more upset than I was, weren't you? On well, when yeah, because it's scary. No, but it is. It's what we found when we were putting together these episodes is that we forgot stuff. Um, so it's it's been quite therapeutic to to work through these things. And I think for you, especially Cassie, you probably blanked some things out, haven't you? Yeah, I think that's my general way of dealing with anything traumatic in my life is just to blank blank it out completely. Like it hasn't happened. Obviously, get through it and then eliminate that from my head so I don't have to relive it. So it is quite tough going back through all of this. But I think it's good for other people, isn't it? I think that, you know... I hope so, because if we'd have had... If someone had told us going into it what might happen and the process and the kind of the more details, it's somehow easier, I think, if you know what to expect. You can prepare, can't you? Yeah, when it's completely the unknown, which it was for us. And, I mean, unfortunately, we've lost people to cancer. And I, in particular, have had a really... Um, I lost my stepdad a few years ago and, and saw his complete decline from being healthy to not being here anymore. And that was devastating. And I know lots of people who've been on a cancer journey and then suddenly when you're faced with it yourself and all I've seen is some not great outcomes it's really quite terrifying and it's a big word so this had better be helpful hadn't it it's not really <laughs> worth going through all this trauma is it it's all right i've got therapy next week so 
So um, what happened was we, we were in a sort of little office room and in the room were ourselves and the specialist uh, surgeon, um, who's now a, a sort of a friend, really, isn't it? Mr. Remington. Yeah. And a Macmillan Aptly nurse. named. <laughs> Behave yourself. And a Macmillan nurse. And, and in my mind, I, I always thought that, that Macmillan nurses were only around really bad stuff. But in, in reality, they are super helpful. And They're there for all cancer stuff, basically. Yeah. So whatever the outcome's going to be, you get assigned a nurse and they're with you for your whole journey and they are incredible. Yeah, and, and, and I, I can't remember her, her name and they changed a couple of times, didn't they? But they're, they're, they're at your first sort of port of call once you're in the process because it can be quite tricky to get information from doctors and nurses and stuff and um but the Macmillan people can fast track that can't they 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 sort of told us explained what the process was going to be and um, yeah I think during this whole process of being diagnosed it was a bit of a minefield because we had so many appointments and so many conflicting opinions and so many instructions and things to take in that it felt quite overwhelming a lot of the time and you just don't really know what to do and what to think and you you don't really have a lot of time to process any of it no don't you think yeah and i i, I think I, I what worried me a bit was uh i just assumed we'd be told what was going to happen but we were given choices weren't we and, yeah and it's very much stressed that, that all of the decision making was down to us and I sort of thought, well, I, I don't know anything about this, really. So why am I making the decision? Whereas there are experts in the field who know what they're doing. Surely we would be told. But they gave us a bunch of options, didn't they? And I suppose that's like anything, though. You have to pick what's right for you. And there were options. Yes. And I think, well, I know we made the right decision now. Because despite the conflicting information, one person had basically said, don't worry about it and leave it and we'll check again in a few years. And another person said, in five years' time, you wouldn't be here anymore. Yeah, so it's tricky, isn't so, it? So, so we, we, we should explain the, the, the different options, shouldn't we? So Yeah, the... so, we were, so you got diagnosed. So they said, yes, you've got cancer. And Mr Remington explained what he could do so to, he, yes. to, to remove the cancer. So and that's his process, isn't it? That's he he has a particular way of treating prostate cancer, and he's a specialist in that field. But also explained that we should see other people and would be referred to other people who had different skill sets and different ways of treating cancer, and we should see all of them before we make our decision. That was the challenge. Yes, and we we knew at this point that the that you had a tumor on the prostate which hadn't spread, but it was on the edge of the prostate, which means that there is a risk that it could spread. Um, the level of cancer that you had was very low. Yeah. So and your levels were low. Yeah. So that was it. Was kind of there was some good signs, but it was the worry that if something wasn't done soon, if that spreads outside of the prostate, that's when you could be in trouble. Yeah, and that's when it starts to spread around the body, isn't it? And it's yeah. harder to contain or to and to treat. treat. So his point of view was that he potentially could remove the prostate and the entire cancer and give you a full recovery. Then there would be a high chance that you would recover properly. 
Yeah. Um, if it, if you didn't have that option, that it could become problematic. Like we said, it could spread. And the, the positive aspect from that point of view was that the cancer would be gone. So you just take everything out. The negatives with that type of surgery is that they might not be able to remove everything. I think he described it to us as basting a chicken. No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> It's a different operation, that is. <laughs> it's, like, it's like getting the prostate out without damaging yeah, the it was surrounding like the, wall. Yeah, so it's like when you put your hand under the chicken skin to baste it with the butter and you can't yeah. tear the skin on the chicken, otherwise the butter leaks out the skin. Yeah, it and was, then that's nerve damage as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so, so it's like that's the level of intricacy is yeah. that you can go in, but if you tear through the skin... You're fucked. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, we could relate to that because I like to, to get involved in the kitchen. And so I sort yeah, of... Yeah, I don't, I don't want to baste a chicken ever. Yeah. I was like, raw chicken is what? So the, the, the negatives are that it, it might not... Um, he might not get everything out. So he might miss something or something might not be spotted. And so you might still have cancer. It could be problems with function post-operation. So that's um, maintaining a suitable erection or having incontinence and uh which are side effects anyway but we'll come to that in later episodes yeah you, you won't be able to have children so that we can talk about that later as well <laughs> that stopped and the recovery period to get back to normal he said would be about a year and it was yeah i would say for me but it, what did you think about the with the like the functionality things, so I when I I, I don't know because suddenly there was all these conversations as well about penile function, and like you can get a pump, you can get these bands that you put around it. There was, yeah. suddenly, there was loads of things suddenly, and we're like, whoa, 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 hang on yeah. a minute, is he, are you just removing his penis? <laughs> he can, it was he like an injection so much to, information, to, to yeah, and then yes, if you're well, having sexual intercourse, you could inject it. And then get a, an erection, which who knows how long that's going to last for. So that could be anything between 30 minutes and three days. Oh, so make it's, it go away. Make it go down. Yeah, some kind of rubber bands. I think a bit like when you get rid of a lamb's tail. <laughs> it was like all of this stuff. Lots of information. And we haven't even had the surgery yet. So I think initially it was just like get rid of the cancer. I don't care about anything else. I just want you to be okay. And that yeah. was all I cared about. I think I started embracing. I think you myself. were thinking you're going to lose everything. Yeah, I thought I'd just be like a flaccid old, <laughs> older man who, who kept, keeps wetting himself. I, well, I, a, <laughs> it's really, not that far. <laughs> really? Ever ready. So I, so I, yeah, I, I was, but I, I sort of got my head around it because it's better to be alive than. That was the, I think that was the, not, yes. Didn't it? That was um, the decisive point was let's get you just, let's keep you alive and let's worry about the penis afterwards. So after that meeting, that was the first sort of real tough meeting. I, I had a bottle of champagne, you didn't. No, and it did turn out that Mr. Remington knew us because uh, we'd hosted a wine tasting that he'd attended. Yes, which... Which, which um, was a fundraiser for the hospital. So we're, we're giving back at this point. So now it's like, oh, yeah, he, now he, you can look after us. We were doing a, a fundraiser for friends of um, 
Eastbourne Hospital, which we, we did just recently again. And so it's a nice symmetry. He was there, enjoyed it, had some fun, bought some wine and subsequently bought some wine from our shop. And so he knew us, we knew him. Plenty of conversation about food and drink. And Plenty of distraction. Was a nice nice uh, relationship formed, didn't it? He was a nice man. So we decided, I think, that, or I decided that any any negative cancer meeting and day became a champagne day so that we had something to even it out with and balance. Mm. So then we had to go to um, the next person who was in the Royal Sussex Hospital in Brighton, um, which is up the sort of the side of the of the hospital, round the back near the Macmillan Centre. The Macmillan Centre is really good. You go there and have a bit of cake and tea, and it's a it's a really nice place to to visit and a very uh, human place. But the the cancer bit we went into was pretty pretty depressing. I think we just sat it? in silence, except me asking if you wanted a biscuit because yeah. <laughs> there was biscuits everywhere. Yeah. I I felt a bit fraudulent there because I, I have no symptoms. I was fit and well, and they, they, to all intents and purposes, I I was there was nothing wrong with me. And but in there, there were p- people where if you would picture someone who's seriously ill with cancer, there were people looking like that, weren't there? They were really unwell looking. Yes, and there were a lot of older people as well. Yeah. Yeah, um, it was. Bear in mind, all of these appointments, I had about 50,000 questions for each surgeon or specialist, which I'm sure they loved. <laughs> he drew some pictures, didn't he? And and he said he, his chat was about radiotherapy, um, like treat blasting it with radiotherapy to reduce the, the tumours and make them go away. But he said that for someone who's younger, like I was uh, or am uh with that option that you're likely to be going in and seeing them again in 20 years time and the recovery would be harder as an older person so he he said it's probably best not to go with him didn't he yeah it was yeah we it was sort of that's not going to happen yeah radiotherapy i think is more practical for more elderly people um who possibly won't undergo such um, intensive surgery so then the, the the last option was to go up to london um which was a weird visit i, I thought this the was area really that odd. was near harley street wasn't it because it was like the poshest place on earth i think so and we're going up there f- to do cancer stuff and we're like gosh this is quite fancy are we <laughs> in the right area <laughs> there's a really nice butcher some really good charity shops yeah, and that bookshop. Was and a really fish nice shop, well. I think. And then we were like, oh, we'll go and get nice stuff afterwards, but just came out and sort of walked in silence to the station and just got on the train home. Like, oh, yeah. no, we need, to, we need to process this. And that was partly about the brachy, I think it's brachytherapy. Um, this is a, like a, it's a radiation thing, but very localised. So it's just on the, the, the place that's uh, where the tumour is and, and nothing else, as, as far as I understand it. Um but they they were trying to get us to sign up for some experimental thing, weren't they? And that we'd be, yeah, we'd have to give like them a guinea a load pig. Of, yeah, like a guinea pig, and give them loads of information, and it was yeah, like a privilege for us to get on it. And yes, I think it was. Was it based in Germany or was he German? Can't quite remember, but it was all a bit hard sell, wasn't it? And I don't it was think a we weird really, one, and really I didn't. We didn't feel to... comfortable, and it was kind of like this is not a cure. This no. is something that we're not going to be sure of, and this could go on and on and on. 
plus the guy's trousers were the tightest thing that I've no, ever that seen. Was the other one, the other bloke, yes, yeah, so <laughs> second chap, and his his area was at my eye level, but his, his trousers were sprayed on. I think it was offensive. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know how that all that works. It's like Matt Goss in Strictly Come Dancing. <laughs> you could literally see everything, and the uh, and he said that um, why are you having any of these chats you you could yeah, just leave it just leave, just leave it. it for a few years and then we'll have another check yeah. check up which yeah. was we were like we've come all the way here for you to say just don't bother yeah not, that was odd wasn't it yeah not really i understand his point because the our, my psa level was really low so but we but we knew you had monitor. cancer it's not just going to disappear no and and then subsequently we were told that you would have had five years maximum. So luckily we didn't listen to that. Chat. No, so we went round the houses and then decided to go with Mr Remington. So for full surgery and because I think we warmed to him because he was, he was super honest and said that he was confident that he would do an excellent job, get rid of all of the cancer and leave me fully functioning. Yes, and something we haven't mentioned yet, actually, is once you had this diagnosis, uh, you then obviously told all the family and your brother went to get his PSA tested. Yes. And was also subsequently diagnosed with prostate cancer. Yes. Within a few weeks of Henry's diagnosis, just off the back, with no symptoms, just off the back of Henry's diagnosis which we feel really shows the importance of getting checked and and uh, that there's clearly a hereditary link especially yeah if you've got it in your family or you, you fit the criteria that we discussed in, in episode one and your brother's younger than you yeah we were both under 50 weren't we um so then he started he lives in spain and he sort of then had to start the same process yeah and, and because of he'd seen what i'd or how we'd approached it by sort of checking out all of the options. He'd made his mind up straight away and just said that he's not going to do any of that, did he? No, he's, he's he'd just, just have exactly the, the same procedure with the same surgeon. With the same surgeon, yeah. So Mr Remington loved that. Two weeks, two brothers. <laughs> Busy boy. That's <laughs> a lot to cope with. So then... Uh, then we had to wait for an appointment. At this yes. point, we... We were suddenly the world was told that COVID was a thing and there's a national pandemic and everything goes into lockdown, which was insane, as everybody knows. So there's a huge fear from everyone, I think, of going anywhere near hospitals, um, which sort of worked out in a positive way for your treatment because suddenly there were appointments available. We weren't having to look at waiting six months or years to have this done. This yes. was, this is going to come up soon. You can take the first available appointment. So lockdown started in March. Yeah. Um, I think you had an appointment that suddenly came up for something like May. I had, We had one that came up. And was up. then cancelled. There was an initial one that was for the previous Christmas. And, but we couldn't do that because we're well, this like too full on. It was it was right into Christmas, and so that one got cancelled. Then then we went into lockdown. Then we went into lockdown. Then I think there was another cancellation or postponement. 
Yeah, there, there was one, you're right, there was one for May, I think, and then that got postponed to July. So that's, and that's when I had to go on those hormones. Yes. Didn't I? But it was, it was tricky because this is, we run our own business. Basically, the two of us run it with a team of part-time staff. Uh, Henry's diagnosed with cancer. We go into a national lockdown, at which point we can't afford to shut the business and we were allowed to keep open um, because everybody needs wine in lockdown. Turns out everybody really did need wine. Yeah, they loved it. Um, we had to keep Henry away from anybody who might have COVID. Um, at the same time, we were working as much as possible and I was sort of taking over control of running the business while trying to process you having cancer and surgery coming up. Yeah, I was it working was, from home. So, yes, because you, um, you had, to, had to be healthy because in case I could get in on a on a, like a short appointment time, like a cancellation or something, didn't I? Yeah. I had to be... And because of, of the waiting process for the surgery, you were then put on these hormones. Yeah, I didn't like that. No, no one likes that. It was like having the menopause. So we've got you, the female cat, and now me... Yeah, it's like an emotional hormone. wreck. <laughs> I didn't like those. I know some people have to have those all the time and uh, it's part of their treatment when it's, things are a bit more serious. But I, I put weight on. I was a bit chesty, which took took me ages. to Sweats, still, not still, sleeping properly. I still need a sports bra. I was in man boobs. Start crying at everything. Well, you do that anyway. But it was a you bit were, weird. yeah. You it were definitely it was hormonal. Only for three months as well, so it must be. Awful Welcome to our world. But the we also you also get when you get close to the uh, the operation, um, you go into the the urology department and uh, you meet the team. You meet the people there, and they prepare you for what's going to happen with the the surgery and the process and what you need to do. You have to take some stuff. Didn't I have to take some medicine or something leading into the operation? I can't quite remember. But we, I met a, a, a woman called Nurse Kelly Smith, who who was amazing. I've never seen her face because she they always they all had masks on, didn't they, mm. all the time, all of them. So I, I I don't even know if she's got. Well, a at face. this point, I was barely allowed anywhere near yeah, anything. You so this in. was it. Everything just got really quite hard work. I mean, it's bad enough, but trying to run a business, deal with cancer, deal with a national pandemic, and not have some kind of mental breakdown was yeah. sort of the point we're at. Whereas I was, I was. Sitting in the urology ward, getting having biscuits and tea, chatting to everyone, protein drinks, and getting carrier bags full of nappies, pads. Yeah, didn't I got pads Mm. because you you're likely to be incontinent after the operation, um, and a lot of information that you get in packs of stuff from Prostate UK. Which are really well written, aren't they? That some of the, the information in there is really cool, and their their website is is amazing, and it's very up to date. It's very detailed, and it's written in a way that isn't too uh, overwhelming medical. with medical terms. Um, and you get walked through that, and they 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 were brilliant. I, I, it's I, I would say that this is in Eastbourne Hospital. They made me feel very at ease straight away. 
and were always very positive, very caring. They don't have to be, do they? No, but bear it, in mind, they're going through a lot of shit as well. I mean, COVID was awful. Yeah. And they, these people are working horrendous hours and still giving this level of care. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah there's some incredible people out yeah, there. Yeah, they, they had serious challenges themselves, didn't they? Um, but but it did, yes, it did enable that, uh, me to get an operate, uh, date quite quickly then, didn't it? And when... Yeah, and that all went pretty smoothly because, like we said, no one was going into hospitals. No. So I think to just to sort of round up this, this episode, it's um, this did raise some memories that aren't weren't so nice, didn't it? I think this was quite a challenging period because we're, we're just learning all of this stuff as we're going, aren't we? We don't know really what's going on, what the process is or how we're supposed to feel. Yeah, and what... I was terrified that we could lose the business as well. Yeah. Because if you're not there and suddenly we had to change everything, it was, re- it was really scary. I think and more scarier for you because... I'm being told what's going to happen, and it's me, isn't it? But you, you can't. Yeah, and I'm on about help, three hours sleep you? a night. And you Just... can't sort of physically help. No, you can't do anything. That's the problem. It's like if I could have taken it myself, I would have done a million times over. But you can't, and you're there just watching the person that you love having to go through this process that you can't control. And that, for me, in itself, control is quite a tricky issue. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think um, this annoys you. I know, but it's, Captain Positive, yeah, positivity is is key. I think if you, if you allow yourself to wallow in it or or let it get on top of you, I I think I it's suppose a that lot was quite a saving difficult. grace of having the business for me because if I'd have had time to actually deal with anything properly, I'm not sure I would have coped very well. But the fact that I had to keep the business going meant I didn't have time to process anything. It just day by day was just get through it, keep going. Yeah, and and we're reminded of it all the time, aren't we? Because each time you go to the hospital, you then have to, to speak to... We sit in the car park and speak to all the family members to let them know because they're worrying. Mm. And you don't always really want to do that, do you? Because you're, you're, you're just tired. Yeah. Like, just and, exhausted. And I, I didn't really want to talk about it. I don't even really want to talk about it now, but we do a podcast on it. <laughs> so, um, yes, that's that's where we are. So the next episode will be the operation and the how, aftermath. How they turn um, your manhood into just a tiny little earlobe, really. <laughs> and how you wet yourself. Yeah, how we wet myself. How we have to change a catheter. That was all exciting. So that's what's to come. Yeah, that'll be episode three. So thanks very much for for listening. And as we said at the start, if you want any detailed information, then please contact your GP or check out the web page, prostatecancerUK.org. Thanks very much for listening. Bye. Bye.